0: Good morning everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday Morning Roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us today on our discussion with the subject, Our Sin, Disease, and Death Real. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And again, we welcome you all. Start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from
1: pages ninety nine and sixty two of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Life understood spiritually is heaven here. Pray God to help you awake to the claims of error and awake to the truth that destroys them. Whenever error would try to make sin, sickness, disease, or death seem real, good overrules it and it makes them more unreal to us. Good reverses every evil argument and effort and brings out the opposite good. Pray God to take away my testimony of the lying senses and increase my faith and spiritual sense. Mary Baker Eddy. That
0: is perfect. Thank you. All right, our watching point. Watch number 119.
2: Watch lest the false evidence of material sense cause you to accept the suggestion that a case is hopeless. Every case is hopeless. If you start from the basis that you have a claim, you cannot admit the reality of error as a claim and from that basis make it unreal and so destroy it. Hear what Mrs. Eddy says on this point in Unity of Good, page 54. Quote, To say that there is a false claim called sickness is to admit all there is of sickness, for it is nothing but a false claim. To be healed, one must lose sight of a false claim. If the claim be present to the thought then disease becomes as tangible as any reality. To regard sickness as a false claim is to abate the fear of it, but this does not destroy the so-called fact of the claim. In order to be whole, we must be insensible
0: to every claim of error. Thank you. All right comments. Oh, well, I looked up the word insensible,
2: Good. <laughs> and it says imperceptible, that cannot be felt or perceived. And then I looked up imperceptible, and it says not to be known by the senses. So, to me, that just, it meant that even though the senses may seem to say there's a problem somewhere, something hurts or something's going on, it doesn't make it real. And to know that it's a false claim and that we can turn from it and must turn from it and see, ask my, you know, I ask myself, well, what do you say about this, God? Because that's all that's true about whatever is presenting itself. Thank you.
3: And what does God say about it?
2: I am all. You are whole. You are perfect. You are my child. You were never born.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: You will never die. You are an immortal.
3: And therefore the claim is a nothing.
2: Yes. It,
3: it's not even a claim. And that's I think right. that's the point of the watching point. If you think you've got something to deal with, then you've lost We have to get to the point where we recognize that we have nothing to deal with because God is all. I mean, this is—you know—is taking us beyond the step that a lot of us only stop at.
1: (laughs) Yeah, admission of any claim really is saying you do. You are imperfect in a way. So to me, it seems like. To assert the spiritual, your spiritual perfection, everybody, because we reflect God. That's where we have to start from. We have to, but it's it's not easy. Mrs. Eddie herself said it's not easy, especially when something is there in front of you. Uh, you are seeing it every day, but the reason why it's not easy is because of our belief in the material birth. That's why. You know, to go to spiritual perfection seems to be the the way to go and to insist on it daily. I remember the, I'm sure most of you do too, the case where the lady had gone, had a tumor on her and had gone to so many practitioners until she got to, I think, in New York. And she said, I don't even care if this is on me. I just want to find out about God. And that's where it it broke and went away, so insensible is correct uh, to become insensible of it, uh, with ignorant of it, uh, without knowledge of it, or whatever. Um, that's where where it, it begins the healing. So,
0: thank you. Yes, I think that was in the article "Slow Healing" by Kate Buck. But yes, and that's why. The absent from the body and present with the Lord is so important, because when you're focused on the problem, then you're making a reality. But when you can focus on God, then this dream, as this lesson brings out, talks about Dreamland. It will, and also <laughs> Mrs. Eddie says, diminishes till it finally disappears.
4: I love the prayer that Florence read, where it, yeah. you know said about asking God to take away that lying testimony.
2: So. Yeah. I like on page 64 of the blue book too, at the very bottom of the page, <clears throat> she says, Mrs. A says, Remember that power is exerted by merely stating a truth. All truth is the word of God. Assert it constantly, even though your so called human mind screams falsehood. It is mm-hmm. to acknowledge Him, to have your mind stayed on Him could be directly benefited by the activity of good.
0: Thank you. That's an evening prayer. uh, Yes, it is. The evening prayer, which I work with every day by Mrs. Eddy. And, you know, in that prayer, she says, um, which explains it, to declare that you are well is the exact truth. You are not flesh but rather the ray of divine light that shining upon the flesh makes it appear alive. This is, is spiritual. This you is spiritual and cannot be sick. And then it goes on. Remember that the power is exerted by merely stating a truth. And that's in the blue book on page 64. This is Eddie's evening prayer. And I do. I work with that every, every day and certainly when I, before I go to bed at night. It's powerful, and that's a good way to look at it. You're not flesh, you're the light. (laughs) You're that light. And therefore, immune you're full of sin, disease, and death, as Mrs. Eddy says.
3: This explains also why, I'm sure, Mrs. Eddy said that we should never leave a treatment in the negative. When you're treating something, leave it you leave it in the positive, because that is what is real, that is what is true. If you're working on something and you, you leave a treatment in the negative, you've left it with a recognition that there's actually something other than God there. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: And our, our, truth, our, our thought has to be so filled with the truth that there's no room. Literally no room for the negative.
0: That is what our leader says. The article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also there is a story, I'm not sure if I can remember it correctly, but a little boy, I think he was in school, he was asked to write, you know, the the number that was for nothing, or so he put a zero on the blackboard, but then he went back up and erased the zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that, that is saying, not even a claim, you know, nothing. Yeah. And I'm going to share a couple of things, well, probably many things before we're done, but I love what Louise wrote on the forum from Kimball, because this is this watching point and, and what we're to just to be talking about today is so important to wipe out this whole thing are sin disease and death real the answer in christian science is no they are not but how do you prove it so she writes the quote and ought not this woman being a daughter of abraham whom satan hath bound lo these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the sabbath day and that's from the lesson and then she also louise adds from science and health the calm strong currents of true spirituality the manifestations of which are health, purity, and self-immolation must deepen human experience until the beliefs of material existence are seen to be as bald imposition. It's a bald imposition. But you must see it is preceded by the manifestations of health, purity, and self-immolation. They must deepen in your consciousness in order to prove how they're bald in positions. And then this is the quote from Kimball. I know in our country, in America, very many of the physicians are uniting in the opinion that disease is an abnormal thing. One of the most eminent American physicians told me that. He regarded disease as an abnormality something that had fastened itself upon the race through generations as a matter of abnormal disorder. All curative endeavor, no matter who puts it forth, has no rationality unless it rests upon the supposition that man who is trying to cure his patients has a right to try, has a right, if possible, to overthrow the disease. Upon the ground, that disease is an outrage, a monstrosity, and an illegitimate imposition upon the world. Mm. Christian science is teaching that Christ Jesus proceeded along the same lines. In one place, the Bible says that through sin came death into the world. And that surely would mean sickness. Jesus said concerning the woman... Satan hath bound her, lo, these 18 years. He did not say that God had bound her. It is a fact that Jesus, according to the record, healed all manner of diseases without failure. He understood that disease was an abnormity. And he understood that it operated according to abnormal conditions and laws. And he knew that it ought to be abolished and it could be abolished. Nobody knows better than a Christian scientist does that people are suffering, that there are sinners. But we also, oh, I better read that again. Nobody knows better than a Christian scientist does that people are suffering, that there are sinners. But we also know that it is a spurious state of existence, not ordained and not legitimate. We know that the man who sins has got to stop. And we know that the man who is hateful and angry has got to stop being so. We know that the one who is sick has got to recover himself. But all the time we fix our gaze steadfastly upon the illegitimacy of the whole thing. And that is what we mean by the unreality of sin and of disease. That's the end of the Kimball quote. And then she goes on, she she finds a definition. Abnormity means irregularity, deformity, disorder, irregularity in the function of the brain, derangement of the intellect, of reason, confusion, tumult, disturbance, or interruption of the functions, disease, sickness, neglect of rule, breach of laws, outrage, Injurious, violence, excessive abuse, wanton mischief, a violent attack upon a person or property, monstrosity, an unnatural production, illegitimate, unlawful, contrary to law, not genuine, not authorized by good usage, unlawfully begotten, imposition, constraint, oppression, burden, deception, imposture, spurious, not genuine, not proceeding from the true source, counterfeit, false, not legitimate. And then all those were from the 1828 dictionary. So this is the basis of how Christian scientists think about sin, disease, and death. And Kimball explains that so beautifully in this. And you must Realize when any of these come upon you, it's abnormal to be sick, it's not normal. It's abnormal to sin, to want to sin, to find satisfaction, that's not normal. Death is abnormal, because life is the constant, is the real. Being jealous is abnormal. Being hateful is abnormal. It's not natural to God's man, Being dishonest is abnormal. It's not natural to God's man. You must go back and challenge these thoughts that you get. And cast them out is unreal. Abnormal. Not natural. It's not natural to be depressed. The joy of the Lord is natural. So we can more and more see these things, and they're true depict, it's easier to overcome them. So we must know and obey
1: what we really are. Yes. What's true about that?
3: Yeah. Yeah, and, and any other states that we feel or see that are ungodlike or bald in positions, abnormalities.
0: It, it is it is Satan that has bound us, not God. So we have every right to challenge it. And and we're not being obedient to the first commandment and obedient to our love for God when we don't challenge it. Are we? No, we're not. But as, as Florence said, it's not easy. You know, it takes some work, it takes some effort, you've got to fight back, not just lie down and accept it.
3: If it were easy, we'd all be doing it all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: But but anything worthwhile is worth working for, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, no, please go ahead. No, I was going to
1: say that's why it's also important for us to be careful what we say to somebody who's not well. I, from my experience, I've seen people emphasize the fact that they're not well. I'm not well. I'm sick. I'm sick. Well, the, all that is just emphasizing for them the unreality of the lie and, and making them more stuck in that than um, rising to the truth of what they really are. It's sad parents do it to children, I guess. And, and, Anyway, but that's what I've seen, and it, it's not right. It's always emphasizing what we really are, as God has said, the Creator, the only one from whom we originate from, has said it's real.
0: Yes, thank you very much.
3: And as Jesus asked one of his patients once, Do, do you believe that I can heal you?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: In other words, do you believe that God can heal you?
0: He also would say, "Go and sin no more."
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a requirement. You know, if you're going to continue the sin, um, then the worst thing will come unto you. Either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it is true. I mean, sometimes you can get away with things for a while. But eventually it'll catch up. That works the other way. Sometimes you can be doing good and feel like you get nothing but kicked in the teeth. But but eventually God will reward you. You'll be rewarded in the right way at the right time. You do good because it's right, not because you were seeking that reward. And all you have to do is look at the story of Joseph in the Bible to see no matter what, he kept doing the right thing, getting no reward. But eventually he got a huge reward, didn't he? And he saved everybody besides that.
3: But he had a present reward, didn't he? He had a clear conscience. He had a peace yeah, thank that nobody you. could take him take away from him.
0: That's true. And, and this is that in Science and Health, that a, a clear conscience is One of the greatest things you can have. That's certainly a paraphrase, but very important that you're at peace with your fellow man and, and of course, with God. And the courage and the confidence to keep doing right, what was
4: right. Yes. This makes me think of what, you know, David went in the midst of Saul trying to kill him. It said that he behaved himself wisely in all situations. And I just. Really like that, yeah. <laughs> you know. He was always beyond reproach, at least in those days. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You can ask yourself: Do you behave yourself wisely? Um, Jacob also he gave a quote. This is all to go to go back to our watching point, but this was from Eustace asserting what is true. Eustace says. My thinking stays on one side and one side only, the side of God. When you affirm that which is true, although human reasoning and sight may say it is not true at all, you will bring it to pass. This goes back to the quote that um, Karen gave us, the quote that's in the evening prayer. You declare it whether you believe it or not because it is true and it will break the fetters If you go on accepting the arguments of malicious mind, thinking that they are your own thought, you are powerless to cope with them. Assert the power of mind, this mind that is God, this mind that is your mind. That which is real, that which is true, is not in the process of coming. It is already here. That applies not only to health, but to the fulfillment of all good, regardless of the need or the occasion. That's how Jesus turned the water to wine. The answer is here, present, every moment. Reject with insistence the perpetual lying insistence of evil. You are not afraid to use the will of God. As the man of God, the voice of God, you declare, Here I stand, and evil has no power so as we continue you know doing these things um, again though with a pure heart as was read and I emphasize what Mrs. Eddy said um, that we have to have health purity and self-immolation deepening our experiences we must be living this truth As um, Jasmine so likes to bring out, which is beautiful about living, the Sermon on the Mount, imbibing those laws and principles. If we do that, then we can declare these things and we will see the end of sin, disease, and death. Now, what about this thing, sin? Sin. You know, Mrs. Eddy says that's the hardest thing of all. Why? To get rid of and believe. Because there's pleasure in it, so-called. Yeah. Pleasure. Mm-hmm.
2: Unlike disease or sickness, there's no pleasure in that. But sin <laughs> has its pleasure size, so-called, but it's not really. But that's why it seems to be harder to let go of. And why does it not really have pleasure? Because ultimately it you suffer from it. it it uh it just doesn't bring anything but suffering in the end
0: well, that's it the belief of pleasure has the opposite belief of pain waiting for you. Craig, did you want to- yeah,
4: and if you if you really get look into yourself, you realize that sin has no heart in it at all at some point it's all about hate and about you you know self very selfish indulgence and so if you if you, if you love learn to love more you're going to be you're going to start i think said eddie says loathing sin
0: that's beautiful would you repeat that craig
4: i think that sin is as basis a lack of love and if you learn to work to love more you're going to start to loathe it like mrs eddie says
0: Thank you very much. It is so true. And if you can start labeling your sins (laughs) and not say, Oh, it's you know, I'm not bothering anybody else, or whatever it is, you justify your sins. If you can see your sin is selfishness, certainly is a lack of, of love for your brother man and your and your God. You can call it out for what it really is, a selfish indulgence, and and then loathe it. That's what you have to do. I had to see, you know, the things I was doing, being so fearful, for instance. I mean, that was just not some little innocent thing that I couldn't control. It was just, okay, whatever. It was a sin, and I had to see it. I wasn't trusting God. I was a believing in power other than God. Was ugly. It was making me ugly. You have to call it out. You can't just say, oh, it's okay. It's not okay.
1: Lawrence? No, I'm supporting what you're saying because that's what I went through, you know, believing in in evil, believing in in, uh, unhappiness, depression. What's all that? What (laughs) is that (laughs)
3: then?
0: Yeah, what's (laughs) that? The question, you know, Mrs. Evans and Mr. Evans too, when you'd pour out your tale of woe, they'd always say, "Well, where is God in that? God is very much missing in that." And there are penalties for sinning, and it will catch up to you sooner or later. And then, you know, you you're going to have to pay that penalty, and it's not fun. And then you'll wish, "Gee, why was I doing that?" <laughs> I'm a real mess now. So take a good look at it. It's not just some little thing. It's okay. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters. It's like when you're working out a math problem and you make one mistake, what does Mrs. Eddy say? The whole thing is wrong. The whole
1: Conclusion is wrong,
0: too. Yep. yep. And you can't hide it. You might think you're hiding it from your fellow man, but what?
3: can't hide it from God.
0: Yes,
3: right. <laughs> well, and ultimately, you know, sin, another definition of sin is mistake. It's a mistaken concept of who and what you are. And if you really nail it down, and, you know, I've, I've certainly had to do this. We've all had to do it. Somewhere there's a belief that there is substance or life or intelligence in matter. Mm-hmm. That is the basis of sin. So that you can either have pain, pleasure in sin, Well matter can't have pleasure. Or pain in sin can't have pain either so the same principle Mrs. Eddy says heals both sin and sickness the same principle being that God is all that spirit is all that there is no life truth intelligence nor substance in matter this is the ideal that we have to hold in front of us in order to what does she say to live grand and noble lives. <laughs> yeah. The perfect model.
0: And and you will feel, you know, you will have a clear conscience then when you let go of these things that you know aren't right. And it, it's got to bother you. It's like bees buzzing around your head. It bothers you. You'll feel so much better. and And a lot of it, too, you know, people talk about feeling so ashamed. Well, on the other side of shame is what? pride, Pride. And it's your pride and your stubborn will or your whatever, your self-justification and rah, 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 and nobody's going to tell me what to do and I'll do what I want to do. All that pride that falls back into shame. And you go, you're like a yo-yo going back and forth. It's not fun. It's not fun. I've done it. I don't like it. So... Cleanse yourself of all of the things, and ultimately only you can do it, and only you must do it. It's not really an option. You'll you'll have to do it one way or the other. Better to do it early on before the serpent becomes a red dragon, right?
1: Yeah. Well, if you think you're going to do it hereafter, well, <laughs> would, I'll die and just be done with it. no. Oh. Yo, you have to.
0: <laughs> That's it. Thank you very much. And that that again that brings us to the, the idea of a of death, which we know there is none.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: There is no death. We must live our lives that way. Whatever things you have to deal with now, deal with them now. Don't think they'll go away later or whatever. Don't procrastinate. Deal with it now. Today is the accepted time. We are on the road to eternal life. There was never any birth, any death. And, and again, you um, keep reminding yourself of this. What was your forum about, Linda? Cause it, was it was about
5: the messages we tell ourselves.
0: Yeah. And
5: I thought that it was beautiful the way the writer took the psalm And used it to counter the negative, because it was all about uh, remembering what the Lord has done and blessing the Lord. And so, what he wrote was, uh, was this quote: He says, "When you are fearful, do you command your soul to trust in the Lord? When your affections are low, do you command that your heart? Do you command your heart to bless the Lord?" And he refers to a man, he says, as Paul Tripp is fond of saying, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. In particularly difficult moments of the day, how do you talk to yourself? How do you specifically specifically exhort yourself to hope in God? And then he talks about uh, David. David reminds himself of who God is and what God has done. When you're talking to yourself, are you reminding yourself of what God has done for you? Do you have specific texts in which you exhort your soul? Hold fast to a specific truth about the Lord. Summon your soul to bless the Lord. Find specific texts by which you can fight the fight of faith. End quote. Mm-hmm. And it's just what we're taught here, it's just with different wording. But what I liked is how he used the deep meaning of this psalm
0: to do this. It's very beautiful, yes. Thank you. And it is true, you know, you sometimes hear, well, that person, he's his worst enemy, right? Yeah. Because he's always talking garbage in his head. You need to be your best friend. You need to be telling yourself what's true
3: you need to make God your best friend so that you listen to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, and that way you'll get the right thoughts. He's your best and ever friend, your companion, always telling you the truth of whatever situation you're in. Carrie sent me an article also along all of these lines from a Sentinel 1901. It's called A False Claim by James J. Rome. And it goes into um, just what we've been talking about. Well, if you you had a home and you bought a home and everything, you know, you had the deed to it and all of that, and then someone comes and tells you, no, 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 that's my home. (laughs) Well, that's a false claim, right? You would protest it and then you would prove (laughs) that you were the owner of that home and cast that other thought or person out. And so it is when and And what do you refer to and and a lot of these things we're referring to law you We go back to what does science and health say? What does God say? What does the Bible say? Yes, what does God say about this? and then you cast the impostor out, the bald imposition that's telling you a downright lie. You would never let anybody come into your house and say, "Hey, I own this place. Would you <laughs> no?" <laughs> That's how ridiculous the whole thing is.
4: Reminds me of Peter V. Ross, I believe, talks about if you don't know don't know math and somebody gives you the wrong change, you do know, you can't say enough to to actually combat it and they can just tell you to get out of there. But, but if you do know math, then you can logically say what's going on and and keep people honest.
0: Thank you. Yes. And this is again why we study, why we have our arsenal, as I call it, so you know the truth. And that's why the truth does make you free. And it's most important that we keep doing that and keep studying, just to know the truth, just to have our arsenal full. Now, in Science and Health, Citation 7, it says, in divine science, the material man is shut out from the presence of God. The five corporeal senses cannot take cognizance of spirit. They can cannot come into his presence and must dwell in dreamlands. And mortals arrive at the understanding that material life with all its sin, sickness and death is an illusion against which divine science is engaged In a warfare of extermination, the grand verities of existence are never excluded by falsity. Mrs. Evans loved this. She loved the idea of warfare of extermination. She loved all. If you go through science and (laughs) health, there's a lot about warfare. (laughs) It's not sitting in your prayer chair, stating comforting passages. The warfare of extermination all right and what about this dreamland who wants to comment on that
4: well it kind of made me think of how you know something I've realized here from what's been taught is like the unreality of all this of, of all the the mortal Adam dream and I realized before I was like desperately trying to be unreal, you know, (laughs) I was going down that avenue and it was no wonder why things like steadily felt darker, you know, but then upon coming here and starting to learn the truth, everything seemed so bright. It was astonishing. So I don't know if that's why I think about the dreamland.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm getting where I see more and more, you know, all of this stuff. All you have to do is turn on the news um that is it's it's a dreamland, it's, it's not it's an illusion on one side there will be signs and peace on the other side discord and dismay mm-hmm. Now that discord and dismay does not have to touch you unless you indulge in it and believe it to be true I' saying the dream too and yes now yeah we were taught here if you saw one on the table on the table on a bed squirming around having a bad, nightmare, would you jump into the dream with him and start punching mm-hmm. people's nose? <laughs> what do you do when you see someone having a You wake them up. them up. Remember that. So when we see all this stuff on the news, it's not a matter of jumping in there and punching everybody out and this is terrible and raw. It's a matter of the wakening up. Waking them up from the dreamland, from the illusion. Yeah,
3: and Mrs. Eddie even says you know, the waking dream is no more real than the sleeping dream. Mm -hmm. So, So both dreams, right? (laughs) Yeah, so put that in your pipe and smoke it.
0: Yeah, and Carrie sent an article, and maybe you've had this happen to you about what's called Only a Dream. It talks about um, someone who is having a dream. In the dream, you know, bad things are going on. So in the dream, she starts using her science and to fix it. That's a good thing. I know I've had dreams like that, too. I start stating the truth to whatever the problem is. And that woke her up, and she realized it was all a dream. And And all of this, that's why we must never make a reality of it. Um, and get so into it that we're seeing it as, as this thing we're fighting against
3: like your black church
0: <laughs> oh yeah mm. like my black church, that dream I once had so um, and uh, yeah, most of you know that dream, I've told uh, told you about it but I dreamed all these churches were closing and then there was this huge big church it was the Temple of Satan mm. And it was terrifying in the dream. And I woke up after that. But then a few years later, I had a continuation of that dream. And I dreamed that um, through summarizing it, through much tribulation, um, we were able to get into the doors of the, that temple because I realized that we were going to have to, even though it was the last thing I wanted to do. And I was with three people who I will not mention now at the time, but um, they were, they were the ones who went in, and they what I found in the temple were all these hypnosis machines. They were just droning out error, droning out error, mm. and all just all mesmeric suggestion, just droning 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 and there were all these machines all around and I could also hear the cries of humanity just crying and moaning and carrying on so I realized that we were going to have to shut off all these machines and I was with three Mm -hmm. clever men (laughs) who, who went around and one by one dismantled the machines and when that was done all the moaning and all the crying stopped. And there was this incredible peace. I think that I did, I talked about this at a round table, I think I kind of <laughs> called it the hypnosis machine.
4: Right. It was somewhere around June of 2020 when you talked
0: yeah. about it. So th- this is what we're engaged in, you see. We have to shut off those voices. Gary and I rarely watched TV, like TV, TV, unless it's something taped or, but I don't know. Recently we had to, we were watching something and I, we were unable to fast forward the commercials. I couldn't mute them, but I could not believe it. Every single commercial was about the nameless stuff and getting your vaccine. Now this is now, this was, to, this was last week. This isn't like two years ago. This is today, today they're talking like this so all these people who sit there in front of their what's it called boob tube <laughs> boob tube and watch and then they get terrified but if that's a hypnosis machine anybody who would watch that would become hypnotized you can't
3: and that's how drug companies sell their drugs mm-hmm. yeah. they hypnotize you into fear of being sick or fear of something making the fear real so that you'll buy their drug.
0: So this is why we are in a warfare of extermination and we cannot be nice. We cannot be passive. We cannot just, oh, accept it. No, we cannot. We rise in rebellion against it because if you don't, if you don't handle it, as Shardy said last week, it will what? Mm -hmm. Handle you. Handle you. It will handle you. So you have to be active, alert, and sword in one hand and a tool in the other. And never breathe an immoral atmosphere unless what?
4: To oh, yeah.
0: So Jeremy, do you want to tell us about your form?
4: Oh yeah, I just I actually had a little head start because I started thinking of this when uh, Gary read the lesson. But um yeah, I just got real, thinking about as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us, and how it's really just that difference in perspective of turning around. And then I started seeing how many times in the Bible, and, and also in Mrs. Eddy's writings, but I didn't include any of that. But you know, there's always this theme from turning away from the material and back to God you know, or like Lot's wife, turning away from God, turning a pillar of salt. So I just thought that was very interesting, that, that idea of turning and how important it is to always keep on the right path. And and Jesus, not turning, but putting it behind him, I just thought that.
0: Yeah, was. Oh, oh, it was very, very good. Um, after I read that, I was telling Gary, the song that's been going through my mind is Face the light, you know, Peter and mm-hmm. faith, um, all of these suggestions and all this stuff going on. Well, turn around and face the light. Let the light shine upon your face. It's so beautiful. Let the, the, God's love and warmth, let that fall upon you. It's a beautiful thought. Turn from the error. in in unity of good. It's the first page. It, it talks about that. Remember that because it's, um Evans used to say. It was her father's favorite. Favorite. Um, How do you
5: rectify a mistake?
0: Yes. Thank you. How to rectify a mistake. It was her father's favorite. That he he always turned to that one. Turned to that again. So anyway, yes. I'm not finding it right now. But it's in unity of good. I will find it. However, so um, let's see. Well, anyway, it's there. And again, the point being that you turn from the error. You do. You don't. Again, you get mesmerized when you watch it. You turn the television off. You you turn anybody off that's talking error one way or the other, you turn from it, face the light. It's a beautiful thought. Why not listen to God? Everything has to say is wonderful. And I don't care where you are. You can be in the deepest, darkest hole and God is there. I, I was reading about this woman who made this incredible voyage. She, she was going to go in a sailboat around the world and what she had to overcome it was never in her thought that she would give up. She was just in this like pretty small sailboat. And one time in the middle of this sea with 40 foot waves pounding on her for 11 hours without stopping. And yet she didn't give up. It, it, she knew she couldn't give up and she didn't. It was an amazing story. Eventually she, she did, but only after she had overcome incredible obstacles but one thing she said that she'd found out, she'd heard with dolphins, a man who was in the fog and was about ready to hit a hit the rocks, but he couldn't see the rocks because of the fog. 30 or 40 dolphins appeared, seemingly out of nowhere, and they got him to move in the opposite direction, and he was saved. He said if he had gone straight ahead, which is what he intended to do because he didn't know the rocks were there, he he would have crashed and destroyed a ship and she said that this is a phenomena that happens out in the out on the ocean that sometimes these dolphins will appear and and save people now we know that the whether i go into hell thou art there no matter where you are god's presence is and these were angels really and they appear everywhere under the worst circumstances but face the light No matter where you are, you can do that. Turn to God, and he will show you the way out. There's no impossible situation. Now, in the lesson two, citation two in Science and Health, we must form perfect models in thought and look at them continually, for we shall never carve them out in grand and noble lives. There's your grand and noble lives. Mm -hmm. Then let unselfishness, goodness, mercy, justice, health, holiness, love, The kingdom of heaven reign within us, and sin, disease, and death will diminish until they finally disappear. That last sentence was one we were all to memorize, teach our children, and then you focus on those things, on selfishness, goodness, mercy, justice, health, holiness, love, the kingdom of heaven. You think about those things, and then everything else will diminish until it disappears because they're not true in the first place. By everything else, I mean sin, disease, and death. But the first part of that is forming the perfect models in thought and looking at them continually. What model are you looking at? What do you have in thought? So we're going to end on a beautiful short article, again, that Carrie sent us.
3: This is from uh, 1899 um, Sentinel, I guess. Anyway, and it's entitled, uh, A Lesson in Art and Science, is asking, why, after working for months in my own thought, trying to realize the truth, examining my motives, correcting my actions, erasing my seeming errors, had I no definite results, no clear conception of the perfect name? In my perplexity, the opportunity of entering an art school presented itself. I began my first drawing from the cast. My professor said one day, in criticizing my work, I noticed that you work a long time over your paper without looking at your model. You must study your model more. Get your thought filled with its perfect proportions. See nothing but that. Think of nothing but that. Don't work aimlessly. Say to yourself exactly what you intend to put down. Let every line be a true line. No guesswork about it. Never mind the likeness at this stage. That will come. Look more at the model than at your work. Then the answer to my question, why, came. But had not our dear leader told us the same thing on page 144 in Science and Health, quote, we must form perfect models in thought and look at them continually, or we shall never carve them out in grand and noble lives, end quote.
0: Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much.